0: Hello and welcome to Things Musicians Don't Talk About with me, your host, Hattie Butterworth. I am a cellist and the writer and I have recently graduated from the Royal College of Music in London. I'm now on a gap year doing all sorts of wonderful things. I'm totally kidding, I'm just sat in um, indoors <laughs> half the time. But join us on this journey where we uncover the stigmatised issues that the classical music profession has sadly hidden for many years. We talk about mental health, we talk about injury, we talk about financial issues, anything you want to talk about, we will talk about it and break down the stigma. Hello everyone, welcome back um, to the first of hopefully very many amazing um podcast interviews in this new season. And I I'm just so so happy to be back and to be sharing this with you because I don't want to do much introducing because there's just no point because my guest introduces herself amazingly and we have a really, really great chat. Um, but anyway, Rebecca Toll is who I'm chatting to today and she is a trumpeter and harpist as well and she has recently graduated from the Royal Academy of Music where she did her master's. Um, She's now working as a music graduate assistant in a school in St Albans and she is passionate about spreading positivity um, to do with body image, to do with eating disorder awareness and mental health awareness in general and her Instagram is a place of incredible inspiration and she will share more about the details of that with you but uh, we just had the the best conversation and it spanned from Rebecca's musical journey to her journey with anorexia and bulimia and then we go on to talk about The wider musical world and becoming your own musician and why that feels scary at the moment Um, but goodness me if you want some wisdom and just someone to listen to who is totally humble but also totally just has it (laughs) you know has the vulnerability so close to the surface and uses it for such amazing work then please do listen and I really really hope you enjoy it as much as I did hi Rebecca thank you so much for giving up your time to come and hi. chat today my pleasure thank ah. you for talking to me yeah well you know what I have been a big fan of your Instagram now a few for a few months and I was just thinking do you know what I can read all these posts I can you know <laughs> Look at her face like on Instagram, but actually <laughs> a lot that I'd love to know, and I think a lot of people would either relate to your story or find what you have to say very helpful. Um, oh, well, so, thank you. Yes, yeah. no, My pleasure, and I love talking about this stuff, So, and oh. likewise being a big fan of your Instagram and oh. your podcast, so <laughs> yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. I honestly don't know where to start because I just have so much that I want to ask, um and That's your right. ins- instagram makes it very clear that you have quite a lot of interests and a- you're such a-, <laughs> a wide-ranging interesting person but maybe because I feel like all the stuff i do at the moment is just nap 100 <laughs> ah! <laughs> percent. we can talk yeah. about that it's fine cool. <laughs> um but because you know we are um, we are a musician's podcast, very serious mm. in that way, you know. Very serious. Maybe we should start with the serious musical things and mm. if you could tell us about your musical background mm. um, and what you're up to at the moment or what you want to be up to at the moment, <laughs> what you <laughs> would be up to, whatever. Everyone... Oh, man. And... Um, yeah. Well, I play trumpet primarily, classical classical trumpet or at the moment I'm trying to learn jazz which is pretty funny. I started playing trumpet when I was a child (laughs) maybe seven or something. My mum played trumpet when she was younger um, and so she was like oh it's a a good instrument and uh, so I did that and I hated it for so long Um, and I was also playing piano and harp at the same time. And then I went to Wells, the music school, to sort of explore music a bit more. And then whilst I was there, I found out that actually... Because I was going to do English at uni. And then I was like, ah, actually through the audition process of applying to music colleges, I thought, well, you know, this is pretty cool. Meeting all these cool people. London's pretty nice. Uh, Maybe I'll give this a go. So... Yeah, went to Guildhall, did trumpet. I actually spent my first year at Guildhall doing joint harp and trumpet first study, which was pretty intense. And then I dropped to second study harp because I just could not keep up with like two courses worth of classes and practice and uh, all that. Uh, But it it was so crazy because trumpet and harp, I mean, everyone's like, wow, that's such an unusual combination. I mean, I guess it is. I mean, I guess I never thought of it as that because I've always just played them. But I could never find any... Like, I would Google it. I'd be like, trumpet and harpist. And I couldn't find anyone. And then I go to Guildhall and someone who started in my year also played trumpet and harp and was doing Whoa. joint study as well. It was so nuts. Like, that I just couldn't nuts. believe it. Clara, she's great. Did she stick with both? we cool. both had a similar experience actually we both found doing uh both of them pretty intense so then both did second study harp in the end mm, right uh I do do harp at like weddings and stuff still but it's much more of like a it feels more like a hobby mm, okay. within music which is weird yeah then I finished Guildhall hall I went to academy for my master's two years the last half of the year of which it was just taken over by COVID uh, so <laughs> I did my final recital in August last year and yeah I guess it's always such a funny thing to do a music degree I think because you end up questioning a lot what you're doing and whether it's the right thing and you're always waiting for that break and all this kind of stuff so a lot of my martyrs was definitely spent questioning whereas my undergrad had definitely been more of well this is what I'm doing so I'm just going to stick stick with this and just not really I'm just going to go with the flow which yeah I guess worked out so far um, and then at the moment I'm working in a school in St Albans um, as the graduate musician there and um, which is yeah, a pretty full time job, and yeah, working from home at the moment. Which is also you wouldn't expect there to be a lot to do in the music department online, but actually we're doing quite a lot of stuff. And there's it's just like my whole day gets taken up with just emails and zooms and stuff. So it doesn't feel like I'm fulfilling my musical potential right now. <laughs> but mm. I'm I'm enjoy I do a lot of theory and oral teaching and sort of one to one accompanying and stuff. Oh, lovely. Um, so that's really satisfying so that can Um, all continue online I'm guessing yeah Um, yeah yeah the sort of GCSE performances and concerts and stuff don't happen obviously but yeah I'm still teaching and also because I was supposed to complete the LRAM SD like teaching diploma at academy and um, so that was postponed when I was at academy because of COVID so now I'm doing that online at the moment which is again like really nice because I'm in an educational setting so it feels very relevant um, and I also teach a few private pupils so yeah that's definitely a big passion of mine particularly when you're not really playing it's just I don't know teaching can bring such a, a light into your life <laughs> Completely, uh, completely yeah it, it has a different kind of purpose to it in times like this where you know you realize that actually a lot of the people you're teaching aren't going to go on to be musicians but still music can have like such a big yeah absolutely impact and part in their life yeah uh, I kind of like how you say that you never made kind of a definitive decision to be a musician it's yeah. kind of what's just happened, and it's like, oh, all right, I'm going to keep going with this then, because you know, it, okay. I mean, obviously in a positive way, but it's just like amazing. That... Well, it was quite hard because my, mm. well, it wasn't hard to just keep going with it, but there were points like my parents really didn't want me to do music. They were like, "What about that English degree?" <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, "Nope, going to do music," um, but yeah ever since then it's just I guess when you're surrounded by musicians and you know you're on a course it's like well yeah of course this this is what I'm doing so so yeah yeah it's it's weird Uh, yeah it is and that's funny because I actually wrote down um from your Instagram (laughs) it feels so clear to me that your life is beyond the the instruments you play Mm. and that is something that like probably the last two years I've just been so wanting in my life because I used to think oh I'd love to be the kind of person that could read all this stuff or could you know spend loads Mm. of time painting or writing (laughs) but I can't because I have to practice and I you know what I mean and it was I know getting in the way and I didn't think there would be an opportunity to have it at the same time and you seem to have been able to do that both with like yoga exercise like running and at the same time keeping your music going and oh well thank you no at I least love, it, at least it seems that. like that <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. you're gonna tell me now how your instagram is totally lying <laughs> no. um but no I think it's I've been very lucky to be surrounded by people who definitely define themselves more as musicians rather than a trumpet or a clarinet or something. And I've also gotten to know quite a few sort of sort of more dance artistic sort of people who would generalize themselves as artists or like performers more. And I think that's definitely been a very healthy thing for me to realise that yeah, again, you you don't have to be tied down to just one instrument and I, I was thinking about this the other day and that um a very real thing and I think with musicians if you're sort of not very good at something I think we find it very hard to take it sort of just easily or like a hobby so mm. I, I, I find a lot of musicians for instance with running like they either do it really they go for it really hard or they're like oh yeah, I'm not doing it anymore. (laughs) Or anything that they get so used to working on things in like a practice sort of sense that Mm. um, they find it hard to take things just gently. And so, but I think there's a real humbleness in trying new things that, yeah, you're realistically not going to be great at, but taking joy in the fact that there's so much out there that you, like, like, I don't know, you could spend your whole life just doing one thing. Or and being really good at it, which is amazing, and I totally admire people that do that. But if it brings you joy to try lots of different things, and I don't know, there's just no boundaries then. Yeah. It's exciting. It makes the music as well easier to deal with, probably, because otherwise you can get so burnt out and defined by anything that might go wrong. Or, you know, if you put all your... Love into that this one thing, then I suppose when it starts to slip, it's harder to find other things to go to. Yeah, if you don't absolutely. already know, you know, running really helps. Or yeah, you know, painting or <laughs> whatever. But it's so funny—you literally like described my life with running. It's yeah. honestly, hilarious. I'm not going to do it because I'm terrible at it. <laughs> literally, it's like I did it for like mm, nine months, did a half marathon, and then just yeah. gave up classic because <laughs> <laughs> I was like yep done it not now that like that'll do, that'll do and I you know I'd, I'd rather either be like completely going at it four times yeah. a week or just not bother yeah exactly yeah it's like, well you know I started trying to learn clarinet recently for grade one-a-thon and it was that thing of like well you know I'm doing grade one but if I I Maybe I could do like grade three or something if I really try And then it's like, well, what's the point in just stopping at grade three? Should I just try to get to grade eight? And it's like, what are you doing? Like, you barely have enough motivation to practice trumpet at the moment. Why are you practicing clarinet? <laughs> it's so true. Ridiculous. It's such a meme though, that. Yeah. It's so true. What was I trying to learn the other day? I had this like weird obsession. Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. But I really wanted to learn <laughs> like all the kings and queens of England and their dates. What? For literally no reason. Like, oh, absolutely no reason. <laughs> it's impressive when you're like in year four. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I'm not the remotest <laughs> royalist in the slightest. So, it's, it's so bizarre, but I love like, it. You know what? From procrastinating, then that'll be the thing. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it might come up one day. You might go on, like, I don't know, university challenge or something. And
1: Gracious. you can smash it.
0: Gracious. Well, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> <laughs> so. Kind of tying into this is I mean I mean when you were talking about the running and the musicians kind of having this often having this tendency either to be all or nothing with something. Yeah. I think this is this kind of links with eating disorders, mm-hmm. which is something that you have been I don't know if you like it when people call you brave. I know some people don't like that, but I do think it's pretty brave at how open you've been about it because it's clearly been something that has taken up a lot of your life and a lot of your brain power for a number of years when it was at its worst and I just would love if you were happy to to share your journey with Mm. eating disorders and your mental health and if you could just talk about the history with all of that yeah absolutely and yeah thank you for your lovely words I guess yeah now it doesn't feel so brave because I'm used to it um and also I was thinking this like my feed is just full of people that talk about this stuff all the time so I'm just like Mm. oh I'm just another one of those but for you know when you share that thing the first time and all your feed is just your friends who are posting lovely pictures of their dogs or their Sunday dinner and you're like okay I'm gonna put a really depressing post out there about bulimia and you're like, oh my God. Uh. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it is really important. Um, and I don't regret um, talking about it at all. Um, so oh, where to start? Uh, it, my problems definitely started when I went to boarding school, which sounds so cliche, but it was more a sense of um, when I got to school, I realized that the way that I had been brought up and my sort of mindset around food had not been particularly healthy um, because of potential eating problems within my family as well. Well, I didn't realise it straight away, and it was very much uh, getting to boarding school and being amongst all these new people in a different county I'd never boarded before. And I was still having quite a lot of contact with home, and I was getting quite a lot of... Uh, oh, it's so hard to talk about in terms of... Because I, I haven't really talked to my mum about this yeah she definitely has had a lot of problems with her eating and she was definitely uh projecting that onto me so when I got to school it was it felt certainly like her way of trying to hold on to me but like mm. I think she was very scared of letting me go um so it was very much encouraged that I would uh, limit, you know, my intake of food and continue exercising and this kind of stuff. And then I sort of took it on as my own thing and it, yeah, it just completely isolated me from all these people that like all these amazing people that I was surrounded by, you know, I wouldn't hang out, with them because I'd be going for a run or I wouldn't hang out with them because they were going to the dining room and I would say that I had to had a trumpet lesson or something instead of going for lunch and and then you just end up being by yourself the whole time and it's super super isolating um and then my I guess some staff members around me sort of cottoned on to the fact that I was losing weight very quickly um and you know it's it must have been so hard for them because there's not much that they could do like eating disorders are such a hard hard one to tackle because they are a mental illness but the symptoms are the ones that you can see are entirely physical. Um, so I would sort of get pulled into matron's office every break time to be weighed and like uh, have to sit and have my lunch with matron and and all this kind of thing. And they banned me from going running and all this kind of stuff. And, and it was quite traumatic. And And I don't blame them at all, but it was even more isolating because it felt like I was having this sort of special treatment. But for the wrong reasons. Um, and then, I mean, as a natural way, I didn't, you know, you're, you're still in that mindset of the voice of anorexia is telling you, okay, well, you need to still find a way to stay thin, to lose weight. Um, because, you know, everybody was very much trying to treat the symptoms without trying to treat the actual illness. Hmm. Um so as a way to sort of continue my, well, to to appease the voice of anorexia in my head, I turned to bulimia, which again is another isolating illness. And again, make, it makes you even more secretive because everything becomes about hiding everything and making sure that you're alone. And yeah, it, it was a pretty rough like few years. Everything was pretty troubled with my family life and... You know, everyone at school thought I was just super weird, like this, this loner just going off by herself all the time. But then when I got into sixth form, there were just so many kind people, particularly in the music department, that were just looking out for me. And like, I was in this brass quintet with these guys and they make a real effort to ask me to come and hang out. And, and it, they probably don't even remember, but it was completely like just a turning point in in my life like it sounds very dramatic but them asking me to come to town with them was like you know it again it sounds dramatic but it was the turning point between me continuing with anorexia and bulimia and me not and, and me generally sort of recovering a bit so i think through their friendship and stuff i started to get a little bit better but you know i think because i didn't really have any treatment uh sort of official treatment the illnesses just kind of stayed there but a little bit more diluted um all the way until well even when I went to London um and I don't actually think that my eating became sort of undisordered until at least third or fourth year at Guildhall um so I look back and that's like how many years um mm. uh 10 eight eight years just with these illnesses sort of in your head and I think again the point I, again it, it's not a point it's it's always gradual um but some of the big helps for me was just I don't know I started reading more books about body confidence body positivity um, following accounts on Instagram and making a more conscious effort I think I just had enough of food and the way I looked at my body taking up like 95% of my brain space mm-hmm. um, and I was fed up as the way it was affecting my studies um, the f- way it was affecting my uh, physical energy you know the way I looked um, all these things I just got to a point where I was fed up Um, So I started, yeah, just actively trying to tackle it, I guess, Um, which, again, was quite hard because it definitely felt like I was by myself. Um, And to be fair, I did go to a few counsellors at Guildhall and I went to one at Academy. Uh, And then I decided that I wanted to pay for therapy, um, which... Oh man, it's so expensive, but it's so worth it. And that was a struggle because I didn't like I didn't tell my parents and I was trying to fund it. It was like paying double rent every month. And yeah. it was such a nightmare. But it was so worth it. And it was just that final step towards being able to feel like I was finally past something. Mm. Um, and also because it felt like the first official treatment that I'd had. Um even though I had the counsellor, it felt like the first uh, thorough thing. And, and I guess because I was paying for it, it felt even more official. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it definitely felt like I could leave a lot of that behind from then on. Um, there must have been a lot of trauma from the earlier... I don't know how old you were when your anorexia started, but it's a long really time about that... 13 to like oh gracious me yeah 17 so that is a long an awful long time not to have you know psychiatric support i suppose mm-hmm. in you know a disorder where I mean, I suppose it's hard to convey. I'm sure you find it hard to convey to people exactly what you mean when you say that something takes up 95% of your thought. Every time you pass a shop window or a mirror, you're looking sideways at your tummy to see Mm -hmm. how big it is that day. Or every time you get up in the morning, you're worried about what you're going to eat whether there's going to be a possibility that you can check the calories in something or what you're going to wear that day um because you don't want to show your thighs or and it, it's just like this constant noise mm. it's like having somebody else live inside your head constantly just telling you that you're not thin enough you're not good enough you're not uh pretty enough just all the time and it, you know i I often have quite bad memory problems, like remembering stuff from my teens or my, uh, yeah, well, the time that I was really ill. And it's sort of no surprise because I wasn't experiencing anything. I was just listening to this voice in my head. But also because I wasn't intaking enough calories, like it takes energy to get, get your memory and your brain working properly. And I don't know how I like, you know, I did fine in all my exams and school and stuff, but I don't know how I was surviving. It it was just, like, looking back on it, it's pretty rough. Yeah, and the things that they put focus on in school and kind of how you're feeling, it sounds like they didn't match up. It's sort of like your exams and all of that that everyone else was stressing out about. It's sort of, that wasn't, well, I don't know, maybe that was at the forefront of your mind as well, but you know, to have this mental illness alongside all of that teen stress that's sort of inevitable. Completely. You know, and to be so alone in it, that's just horrible. I know, like, I don't, I don't know. I think also because there were, like, yeah, amongst that, it's very common, I think almost impossible for you to have an eating disorder and not have depression or anxiety Mm. or something and looking back on it, yeah, I just, I didn't know that I had all these things because no one was talking about it or because because I was doing fine and everything. Um, and I was, you know, typical, stu- like, good student. And, yeah, high-functioning kind yeah, of. Yeah, and that's, yeah. like, a, a very common trait of people with eating disorders as well, that they are high-functioning and they everything does seem fine on the surface and yeah especially if you are uh exercising a lot and um eating quote unquote healthy um healthier than your friends and a lot of the outward symptoms of eating disorders can just look like a very successful life mm. um and because i was quite young and yeah again no one was talking about it i was like oh i'm doing fine like i don't understand what the problem is yeah it's that kind of deluded kind of thing that's so difficult with eating Mm. disorders I think is this like from what I've heard it's kind of like yeah really really difficult to see the illness you're in yeah you're in it yeah absolutely and that's just really terrifying for you and for people around you and I'm just kind of wondering um what you now having all the hindsight you have, what do you wish your school had done and what do you think the school should do in that kind of situation? It's so hard. And actually now working in this school and, you know, doing all the safeguarding training and stuff, I think they were doing all that they could. Like I think for the majority, a lot of my teachers had reported concerns about me and, um, my house mistress and heads of department and stuff you know they were always taking me aside and uh, sort of checking up on me to an extent but i think because because the next port of call would be to-, to talk to the parents but because of the problems that my mum in particular was having at the time she didn't again didn't really see a problem with it because she just saw my behavior as a reflection of hers Mm. um and so there were there was a point where you know she obviously wanted me to not be ill but she didn't want me to be quote unquote fat you know that would be way worse than being ill um yeah and my dad at the time had no idea um because they're not together anymore. And I, I talked to him about it and he's just like, yeah, like she completely kept it from me. Uh, I had no idea anything that was going on. Um, and again, that's part of her illness, like this secrecy, this hiding, mm. this control. Um, so yeah, like it, I, treatment and any other further steps that the school could have taken were absolutely blocked by my family. I see and that's I think that is obviously terrifying but at the same time not that uncommon I don't think because you are going to learn from you who who you're taught by who you're fed by and if they have such a sort of disordered view either of themselves or of Mm -hmm. food and how can that not impact you I know. Like, you know, I, I think that makes total sense, as sad as it is. Um, it's that sort of unavoidable. How, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I I kind of get the sense from a lot of your posts that depression and eating disorders, it's kind of like, I don't know if you would, I think you kind of said you have considered yourself recovered, but it's quite clear that there are still a lot of Mm. days and times where you fall back into this pattern Mm. and you're very good at sort of putting that out there and putting a name to what's going on. Mm. Um, So what's that like day to day now with sort of the recovery of eating disorders? How do you keep yourself mentally well? Yeah, I guess, yeah, it's so tricky because when are you recovered really Mm -hmm. is this whole sliding scale um and yeah I definitely feel more that I suffer with depression now rather than eating disorders like yeah I'm still working on my body image and stuff but I would say that my eating is relatively I guess what's the opposite of disordered? Ordered. Um, (laughs) My eating, my eating feels natural. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. um, So, in terms of day-to-day depression or mental illness, I, I mean, I take medication every day, and that's been something that I've been on and off for the past decade. Um, And I think it's very much more a preventative treatment um so I it is tricky you you just got to make sure that you build up your toolkit of things that you know if you're for me like getting outside like at least once every two days or one day or whatever and eating these particular groups of foods and making sure that I listen to what my body wants to eat and making sure that I'm hydrated or that I've talked to some mm-hmm. friends. And it's like your own personal toolkit. Like if you fulfill all those, I personally know that I'm less likely to be sort of struck down by a bout of um, depression. Um, but again, I mean, in these times it's a little bit less usual and um, I think a lot of people are struggling with some form of depression or sort of fatigue mm. or something in, in lockdown. So I, I think it, it is particularly hard at the moment because actually either your toolkit is not readily available to you, you know, seeing your friends or whatever it is that makes you feel good. Um, but also because you've built up your toolkit in a context that's now no longer there like these things yeah made me feel good when I was living that life Mm. But now that life is so bizarre I think my toolkit (laughs) consists more of naps and um (laughs) I don't know (laughs) less exercise actually I think I'm just so tired all the time that yeah um you just have to adjust um but yeah I think day-to-day like that is exactly what I've been trying to live by for the past year. Um it's very much a you got to take every day as it comes and again adapt your toolkit to every day, which is exhausting. Like I definitely think that's why everyone feels so tired because you have to reevaluate every day. Yeah. And it, it's just we don't usually have to use our emotional intelligence and sort of well-being this much. Yeah, that's so true. And also with like I mean, you spoke a bit about questioning, is this the right thing? Is music the thing? And I mean, (laughs) you know, I think (laughs) part of why I had to take a substantial break from the podcast was that, and it was like, we're coming into this another lockdown. I don't know if I can keep this idea of being a musician going. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what I mean? And I, I think taking a break from that mindset and sort of being like, I don't have to call myself anything at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I could just, I be mean, nobody kid. is anything really like, yeah. even people who are uh, working in non-musical jobs. I think even those people are finding it hard to say I am a, I don't know. Chef. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> or, whatever. Or, or whatever it is. Cause yeah. nobody's jobs look like their jobs at the moment so interesting isn't it how we like have to reassess our I ego know. and what we I, I yeah. completely agree about taking time off and like mm. I it yeah the only thing that was keeping me practicing during the first lockdown was the fact I had my final coming up totally. um, yeah. and then after that it was like oh well I don't know what I'm practicing <laughs> for anymore so and I yeah I didn't really practice much as second lockdown and I'm still not practicing much but that's more to do with the job at the school um, but I think it's that constant fear of we've still held on to this fear of like, oh, but what if a gig comes in tomorrow? And it's like that's not gonna happen. So you wanna play I, to like, <laughs> Yeah, like trying to practice just because you feel like you have to maintain the standards just in case life goes back to normal tomorrow. It's like, well, why don't you practice stuff that you Haven't had the time to do before, or you know, if you feel like you want to keep practicing, but you don't have any motivation to do the usual things, like, yeah, learn grade one jazz trumpet, or learn all these pop songs that you always wanted to learn, or something. Because when the time comes to playing professionally and regularly again, you'll know what to do to get back to the standard that you want to be at. Like, it, it, you don't have to be. we take such pride in always moving forward and never letting ourselves slip back a little bit and being comfortable in that place of I definitely couldn't play a Mahler symphony tomorrow like that's okay because you don't need to Mm. and we can't sustain that level and look after ourselves and adjust for the current times all at the same time it's just not possible I literally want to, like, shout amen, like, so many Amen! Man. Oh, amen, Rebecca. I feel like I've been saying that a lot to my oral students recently because we've been talking about plagal cadences. So that's oh. super nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hilarious. Let's bring it back. <laughs> Incredible. No, but literally, like... Thank you for saying that. I needed to hear that from somebody and I didn't know who it was going to be. So thank you. It was me. <laughs> it was you. Like, goodness <laughs> me. Oh, well, I've heard it from other people and I needed it. So if oh. I can pass it on, that's wonderful. Thank you. Well, I yeah, I hope there are people listening that that needed to hear that as well <laughs> because it's just this thing of like, can I really can I really call myself a musician when I'm not practising like I used to? I'm not yes. playing at the standard I used to. And it's this thing, isn't it? Of like... <laughs> if I stop now will I ever get it back and it's like hmm. yes you will, <laughs> you will. but <laughs> also it it comes back to that thing of you are not your instrument like you're a musician more than just the physicality of playing an instrument you're a musician in your brain you're a musician in your body like it's not just a physical skill yes oh do you know what amazing <laughs> <laughs> great good news all right see you later. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, is this something you've, is this something that depression's taught you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what I relate to. It's like, goodness, if because I can't do, I haven't been able to maintain practice all Mm -hmm. throughout my um, degree. Mm. I think I know that mental illness or not, you know, I can get it back if I've been having time off you know and maybe that's one of the benefits I don't know so yeah I I mean that's the other thing you know people often say if you could go back and not have had the Mm. eating disorders blah 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 you know classic um I absolutely I mean yeah at the time it was pretty rubbish but I definitely wouldn't be able to specifically like cope with this year or Have coped with, you know, the reality of doing a master's degree at academy, like things in life that are pretty tough. I definitely have learned a lot through, uh, yeah, just fighting off (laughs) these demons one by one, sort of almost on my own. Um, Totally. Which is, yeah, I definitely thank, uh, yeah, don't believe in some superpower out there, but I definitely thank my life for having taught me that yes yeah um because it has it's very clear that you have had a lot of loneliness and isolation in Mm -hmm. your mental illness and I think the issue with the music profession is that not not talking about um your specific experience Mm. but I think that's not an uncommon experience for people going through mental illness is for it to be isolated um and I don't know I I just I wonder if you have an idea why we don't have people at the top of our profession talking about mental illness um you know I feel like other professions have people I just I can name people in almost any in the pop music industry and acting and you know, I just don't think we have that awareness that we deserve. I feel like, yeah. I mean, I also feel like things are slowly changing and mm. the people at the top, because it is a very, uh, there is still elements of nepotism or, you know, it, it takes a long time for things to change in yes. the arts. And yeah, sure, like there are people in acting and, and um pop as you were saying but I think the classical music world in in particular is very slow to change so the people at the top are still part of that generation that didn't really talk about it um however I do think there's a resistance to let go and talk about it because I don't think that the classical music industry as it stands survive if people uh I don't know, took care of their mental well-being or were more aware of it. Like, I just think that so many people at the top only are at the top or doing so well or are so amazing because they're either suppressing so much or they have these problems that they feel if they talked about, it would be a weakness or there's still a lot of resistance to let go and be open about it. Um, Um, Yeah, admit to it. I think that things like your podcast are absolutely the way to sort of change it from the bottom up. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, there's just so much like holding on to the old ways going on. There is, uh, there is. And I, you know, I can get angry, but I suppose what you say is just so right is that it is sad, the sad reality of becoming A world-class soloist you know what does what goes into that and a lot of the time it's an awful lot of trauma that's difficult Mm -hmm. to speak about and an awful lot of you know other things and I suppose I in the past I've held myself up to that standard and said well I'm not a proper musician unless I practice this much and get to win these competitions and and be perfect absolutely but you know having tried my hardest (laughs) I'll ever try to get there and not achieved yeah, in the court of that, I've realised that actually is not. I have to be a different musician, but that's okay. Yeah, you have to redefine what you're aiming yeah. for, and it is a shame because what in redefining what you're aiming for, sometimes it doesn't fit with what you can see is already out there, mm. um, and that can feel again quite isolating. But it's something that needs to change. Or, I mean, yeah, of course. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be any world-class soloists ever again, but there needs to be room for other, other ways of being. I'm not so, quite sure how that works yet, but I think we will find out by trial and error. That's that's the thing. Like, you hit the nail on the head yet again. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose I the times I've doubted it has been, I don't want to be a... Chair list in this world at the moment as yep. it stands with these structures and this pressure and mm-hmm. and I, I suppose I had a revelation where I was like I could do it differently I could do it my own way and find ways of being both yeah human suffering struggling exploring creative and also a cellist and uh, yep, as you say yep. I don't know how that's going to be yet but well, I just okay. yeah I just hope that is a possibility for people not just me for for anyone that wants it to be more it's like anything else like the yeah. hardest step is coming to that realization and mm-hmm. and keeping going like yeah it's so easy and it yeah it seems like the easiest option when you come to that realization to be like okay well there's nothing there are no pathways that look like I want it to be. So I'm, yes. I'll am i give up and do something else that does look like something I want to do or want to be. Uh, but it takes so much resilience and just pure determination to keep going and be like, okay, there's nothing out there that looks like I want it to yet. Uh, and I don't know how it's going to get there, but if I keep on being how I want to be, mm-hmm and keep going with some sort of blind faith, eventually, maybe, <laughs> maybe I will pave the way for somebody else that is feeling yeah. the same way. The okay. wisdom, yes, absolutely. I'm so with you. And I mean, maybe this is an irritating question to ask following that. <laughs> but do you have for your future, do you have a, either a plan, or do you have a vision? Or oh, mate? um I mean I definitely want to perform and I don't know in what capacity like I feel that at the beginning of lockdown I was questioning my abilities to be a performer because of like just being so riddled with self-doubt all the time you know but I think that this year has taught me that i do definitely want to get back to performing. And you know, a year in this lovely school has taught me that as much as I love teaching, I don't want to work in a school. Um mm. and so performing to some extent, but also I it's that classic thing of when you're uh in music college and you're like, right, I've got to become the best, the best player in the best orchestra or the best soloist or something. And you know community work and teaching and all that kind of stuff that's for people that didn't quite make it or they're the people that sort of you know they're the b team and actually i want that to be my plan a like i love it and i couldn't imagine doing or continuing with a career in music that didn't have that element of sharing and i know that Mm -hmm. by playing and being a musician you are Sort of inevitably going to be sharing music, but something along the lines again, it's this thing of I there isn't uh, someone out there as of yet that I know that has exactly the career that I want, and even if there were, you don't know, like, you can't just replicate somebody's career, no. Um, but I don't know, I do really love Baroque music, and I really love, um, my boyfriend Stuart's really into contemporary music, and he has certainly swayed me towards this weird performance stuff that he's always showing me on youtube um so i'd be up for trying some more of that stuff oh, that's so it's just, <laughs> there's, there's so many possibilities for you that's yeah. just, like i don't want to do one thing anything. yeah i don't know i used to be it's, so scared of like e- even down to playing harp and trumpet i used to be so scared of people finding out that i also played harp in case they think that oh well she must not be a very good trumpet player then if she plays two instruments because you can't spread yourself that thinly um so there's definitely a fear of doing too much and and I get that and I don't want to burn out or yeah spread myself too thinly but I want to have a varied career for sure yeah and I think part of what Maybe this is a controversial thing to say. <laughs> Basically what you said about wanting sharing to be part and teaching and giving mm-hmm. in that way, community work, to be part of your your future, I think it's really interesting how there are all these, goodness, this is very controversial, there are <laughs> these important, peti- they are important petitions, okay, they are, about yeah. the free movement of musicians. That's fine, I do agree, fine. Yeah. actually, what I think often some of the soloists forget is that there are a lot of musicians who actually, you know, could do with a bit of support with state school music education teaching. And there are other parts of being a classical musician beyond playing to a wealthy, appreciative audience. Yeah, the fancy fancy sort of photo opportunities (laughs) exactly so I don't know I I totally just it resonates so strongly because and what you're saying is so true there is this culture of that life would be for the people that hadn't quite made it yeah but I can't think of anything more fulfilling for a great many people you know so yeah I don't know I think it just needs to be more kind of inclusive and aware from yeah. The top to the bottom. Put it that I way. completely agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> completely, completely. Oh man. And that's the thing. It is such a sad state of affairs at the moment that so many of the state schools or, you know, the school I work at has an amazing music facility and they're managing to keep like, I would say 75% of their music department stuff going through lockdown. Um, but I talked to some people who are at state schools and they haven't had any music in a year. Mm. And it's just, I don't know. I I completely agree that how, uh, how can you be dreaming of flying to the other side of the world to give a concert of another Beethoven symphony when John Johnny Blogs from the state school down the road hasn't had any music in a year. Yes, yes. It's so. It's the. Why is that controversial to say? I don't know. It's. It shouldn't be because it's just a pure fact. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but it, it feels con. It feels, you know, like I shouldn't be saying it, but it has to yeah. be said. what course, we're doing. <laughs> I'd love to fly to the other side of the world to play a Beethoven symphony and. I think it's a crime you know the Brexit EU free movement yeah. situation I think it's absolutely terrible and instead of but and I think there should be <laughs> much more much more thinking about the home home turf music yeah what are we doing here and now yeah yeah as well yeah Wow. Well, yes brilliant yeah <laughs> That's oh goodness good me. Well we're setting the world to right. We are. I did I don't know what I expected, um, but it has been so much. This chat has been so much. It's been well, just me too. more than I could ever have wished for. Um My I, cats have had enough of me trying to have this conversation with them. Oh <laughs> I did find actually um part of my stalking you. I found you have an Instagram for your cats. Oh mate, they are <laughs> okay, so this is what we're going to do. Last like few minutes is yeah. you're going to plug your oh, Instagram, yeah, yeah, yeah. your yeah. cat's Instagram. If you have any website, anything, <laughs> mm. give us the we're details. Say the right names, <laughs> otherwise I'll send people to some other Rebecca Toll. Uh. Um, <laughs> so my Instagram is Rebecca underscore Toll T O A L. Um, but more importantly, my cat's Instagram <laughs> is Hamish and Nancy, because uh, obviously they're the only Hamish and Nancy out there. Um, I've also just started working on a really great Instagram page helping out uh, called The Real People Project. Um, oh, wow. They sort of do a similar thing to what I like doing. And we at the moment, we generally just sort of feature people that we would like there to be more types of people like them out there and um, we're sort of working on just spreading the love uh yeah I think that's probably all my channels probably <laughs> <laughs> more to come maybe we'll, like, well yeah, get some more cats <laughs> I had a dream that I had it well no I actually, I had a dream that my dad had a a pet dog last night but it was actually a sheep and he didn't realize and we we're all trying to tell him that he'd bought a sheep from this dog center and yeah so that that's coming oh my goodness yes don't know why seriously though, why are the sheep pets yet yeah, they're just so damn cute like <laughs> he lives in northumberland and he has a load of sheep just like yards oh. from his house so they're pretty much his pets they're not his but oh that's so cute okay yeah <laughs> Great to okay so everyone go follow rebecca i thank will you. i will also um shout out to you and all and hamish and nancy yeah well of course both of them <laughs> um on the in, on my instagram and thank you. goodness me thank you so much no thank you thank you thank you oh well i really look forward to seeing where your varied exciting career leads and well, and you too good luck with the rest of lockdown um, <laughs> i'm thinking of you i'm thinking of you <laughs> and everyone oh. else Yeah, of course. (laughs)